Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It's time to grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and for us to have a chat about what is happening in the sky above us for the weekend. Happy Friday to everybody. I've been waiting for Friday just so I can have a weekend. <laughs> Seems kind of funny uh, to go through the week, but I really do have an exciting life at times. So, you know, going through the week isn't the problem, but it is so nice to just think about being able to sleep in, not have to get up unless you really want to get up. Uh, and to just be free to do some of the things that you can't do during the week when you're busy, right? So Friday is always our yay day. And today, we, you know, while I thought yesterday as I was planning out what I was going to talk about today, while I thought there wasn't a whole lot to talk about, I realized that there really is a day like today gives me an opportunity to talk about some other things, right? That that often when there's so many things that are going on in the astrological or human design uh, world that I don't get to talk about. So today uh, we're gonna take a little bit of a deeper dive into the gate 19 that the sun will move in tomorrow. But as well, I was uh, able to attend a webinar earlier this week uh, on the financial outlook or the economic outlook from an astrological point of view and I want to share what I found out. Uh, I, I'm not a big astrologically, uh, or I mean, a financial sort of astrologer. Uh, I mean, I know what planets do what and in what signs and what have you. But uh, I, I relate that more to you as an individual and in your own personal chart versus how that uh, all those planets appear uh, to be affecting the cycles of our economy. And I love listening to these people. They're just, you know, so many aha watershed moments happen when I get to listen to other astrologers talk. It's like things that I forgot about suddenly come in and go, oh, yeah, remember that. Uh, but also just to be able to see another point of view, more from the mundane side of things rather than the personal side of things. So in mundane astrology, it is really about the bigger picture. How is it affecting the planet? How is it affecting groups of people, uh, nations even sometimes and what have you? So I want to be able to talk to you about what I learned. The astrologer that day's name is Daniel DePoche. I've never taken a class from him or even heard anything that he had to say. So I was quite uh, charmed by how he was able to deliver uh, what is sometimes some dry, you know, information about stocks and bonds and, and all of that kind of stuff. Now, I don't want to get into the deep darks of that with you all. Uh, but I will talk to you about the greater um, uh, organizing principles behind the economy and what we might expect. But as always, and I don't say this enough, it is your responsibility to do what's right for you, to listen to your own guidance and your own intuition, and to proceed in finances and health and relationships and all the areas of life based on your own good sense, right? Even though we, I might be sharing an astrological concept or something that doesn't necessarily sound like what your guidance is telling you, you got to default to your own guidance, right? Because 
that's the most important thing, your guidance. So while I'm going to be sharing some information, just remember that I'm not the be all end all of this. And it is just in generalities that we will be talking about the economy or the economic outlook for 2023, at least specifically the economic outlook. But we want to start with where we are right now. And where we are right now is in the final degrees of the moon's transit through Aries. So we have some really good energy around new beginnings, about boldly going. All the planets are, are forward motion right now. So we have pathways that are opening up for us to take action, to do something new, perhaps, uh, or to continue on with something that maybe we had to set on the shelf for a while during the holiday season uh, or because retrograde slowed everything down and it just there wasn't an opening. But now we have these openings and the moon, of course, giving us that action sort of sign telling us, OK, let's get to, let's do right. But as we move through the day today, the moon is going to transit out of Aries and into Taurus, where she will spend the whole of the weekend. So in a way, it's kind of a lazy kickback kind of weekend. You know, there's not a lot of pressure to go and do. I mean, of course, we do errands and things like that on the weekend, or we might have, you know, uh, activities planned or parties or family things. But it's much more of a weekend where the pressure is off of us to be anything other than what we want to be and to do anything other than what we want to do. So I always love it when we get to do something like that. It's like when Leo is uh, over the weekend, it's party weekend. <clears throat> when Taurus is over the weekend, uh, I always feel like that's get in my comfy pajamas, get a good book. Uh, and just, you know, maybe sit with a good cup of coffee or hot chocolate or hot tea and enjoy, you know, the more, <clears throat> shall I say, lazy aspects of uh, the moon in Taurus. But, you know, there are some other things that we need to know about Taurus. And interestingly enough, Taurus is all about finances. It is the sign ruled by Venus that has the strongest connection to the economy, the strongest connection to banking and all of the uh, money and financial type things, including our own resources, how we earn money, how we spend our money or what we spend it on. And uh, that just made it interesting to me that suddenly I wanted to share uh, this economic outlook that I learned about this week. Now, the moon will be in a couple hour long void, of course, and that'll be from 1.01 p.m. my time, West Coast time, until 3.43 p.m. And at 3.43 p.m. West Coast time, that is when the moon will be moved into Taurus. Now, we do have a couple of transits of planets with the moon before 1.01. So I want to talk a little bit about that. And then I want to talk about what the moon primarily means when it's in Taurus as opposed to Aries. So the Aryan moon is coming into a sextile with Saturn. That is a smooth kind of working relationship between our emotional selves, our inner world, and Saturn, the more uh, taciturn uh, teacher, the one that's pushing us to do things in a certain way, in the right way, uh, in a step-by-step -step fashion, according to a goal or according to a plan. So when the two of those meet in this kind of relationship, it's a good working relationship between both our inner and our outer worlds. Uh, as opposed to sometimes when the moon is conjunct Saturn, there can be, you know, more of that depressed feeling or that fatigue or lower energy. So 
to me, that's a, a really good energy that we have from now up until the um, 1.01 p.m. time frame. And then there's also a moon square Pluto. Not so happy, uh, but very intense. And I've been looking a lot at the moon in, in uh, relationship to Pluto. It seems like all week long, uh, my clients have had some semblance of moon connections to Pluto in their astrology for 2023. So I, I, I always tune into these things that I'm seeing over and over again. One of the other patterns I've been seeing is people who are coming to me this week who have Mars retrograde in their natal charts. And I went, that is so weird. So patterns, right, of people that need to understand something about themselves more deeply, because likely Mars has changed from retrograde to direct, and moon square Pluto, as Pluto is finishing up a transit in Capricorn and moving on into another area. And of course, the moon in her rulership sits opposite of the sign of Capricorn in the sign of Cancer. So there's always... There's a very powerful emotional connection in the transits uh, between the moon and Pluto, even if it isn't exact in everybody's chart. We're feeling this transformational energy on some very deep levels. And it scares the bejeebs out of some people. And other people are like, well, it's, you know, let's go with the let's go with the flow. Let's go see where everything is going to take us. So uh, it's no wonder that people are coming to me that have that kind of powerful transit. Now, luckily, the moon in a square to Pluto isn't a very long time, uh, at least as far as a transit goes. So we might have, you know, a shorter time of period where that emotional, powerful transformation moving through us and maybe even fear around that transformative nature of that energy uh, will be in play. And then the final aspect that the moon makes that leaves us as we go into the void is a sextile to Venus, smoothing over all of those bumps uh, to help us really be okay with the way things are uh, shaping up. And, you know, Venus right now is at zero degrees of Pisces, having just moved into Pisces yesterday. So she's in she's in a really good place. She's in her exaltation. She is very comfortable in executing a viewpoint of higher love into the physical realm of the physical love. Right. So we're we're primed, as it were, at the end of this uh, day, at the end of this moon day before she shifts into uh, Taurus to take love with us wherever we go, right? To take that idea of uh, connection, right? And you're going to see that connection is going to be a big theme as we go through the next six days uh, because the human design uh, gate 19 is going to be uh, impacted by the sun or that is where the sun will be sitting. So now let's take a look at what the moon in Taurus is all about. Uh, first of all, it's all about wealth and prosperity and abundance and money, right? Because on this planet, that's our how we exchange uh, goods, how we exchange our time for, for something. Um, and that means resources are also a part of this and our earning capacity. How much can we earn? What do we spend our money on? Uh, so everything to do with the material world, our income, and as well our outgo, what do we spend it on, right? If we're earning money, what are we spending it on? And we're going to spend according to our values. And our, our values are also a part of the uh, sign of Taurus, right? What, where do I end and where do you begin? Boundaries, also a very big part here. 
And so all of our resources are impacted, not just money, but time and energy, etc. So a lot to think about uh, with the moon moving into Taurus, but also valuing the self. This is a sign that rules self-worth and in some respects, self-confidence and self-esteem and how we are able to show up in the world living out out our, our values, right? Not necessarily succumbing to what other people want us to be or who we think we need to be due to the pressure of the outer world, but it's really about valuing ourselves and our place and our way of thinking and our way of being. And in, in, in such a manner, then we need to create strong boundaries. <clears throat> we have to be able to say, this is me and that's you. <clears throat> you have that opinion, you have that way of doing things and that's great for you, but this is the way I see it. This is the way I like to do it. And it doesn't make the other person wrong and it doesn't make you wrong, right? It's just about having that boundary, using your own genius and your own talents to their very best capacity and understanding that you're a different person from the other person, how they use their genius and how they use their talents is completely different from how it is that you would use your genius and talents. But again, making sure that we're, we're not, you know, looking down on others because they choose to do things in a different way. That can be one of the more negative aspects of Taurus is that we sometimes get this, hold this rigid opinion about how things are, uh, about how things should be, or about how we see things, right? And then that leaves little room for opening up the mind to what could be or what else is, right? So we have to watch out for things. Where are we stuck in a belief set? Or where do we tend to see things um, maybe very much with blinders on, right? Instead of without blinders on. Uh, Taurus is also a sign of sensuality. So here's where we get some of that kickback, get into the comfort zone. Uh, it's about body pleasure, what feels good, what materials feel good on your skin, you know, getting a comfy pillow, um, the, the comfortable smells, right? Burning incense or candles or something that, you know, is a scent that really makes you feel good or brings comfort, right? It's about comfort. The moon in Taurus loves comfort, connects us with what is it that makes us feel comfortable. And there's also the, the Venus component here of love that's really about affection and, you know, that ability to, you know, just sit in, in uh, quiet camaraderie and, you know, not to have to make anybody be something that you need them to be so that you can feel more comfortable. It's really a just be comfortable in your skin, be and let the other or person be comfortable in their skin and just enjoy one another's company. You know, just enjoy the comfort, even if it's just quiet, right? Be, be comfortable in that. This is also a sense sign. So our five senses, taste, smell, touch, all of the, the physical dimensions uh, other than the psychic dimensions, right? So Taurus is a very physical, earthly sign. So we're dealing more with the, the physical senses. There are other reasons why this weekend will take you into more sensitive uh, psychic directions, but the moon isn't one of them. She's keeping you grounded, feet on the ground. And when we are able to, you know, get into that comfort zone, uh, there's a feeling of contentment. 
where we are totally in relaxation. And this is one of those weekends with the moon where we want to be able to bring in that total um, comfort, relaxation, uh, just being, you know, lazy if you want to be. Uh, this is an appreciation sign. So there's gratitude here. There's an appreciation, especially of the natural world. Taurus is an earth sign. So everything that the earth has to uh, provide. So that might be the flowers, the trees, the grass, the rocks, the waters, the, you get it, nature, right? Our animals, uh, just seeing ourselves as part of something and not separate from. So being a part of the earth, being a part of all of the creatures and all of the life forms on the earth, as opposed to standing ahead above or beyond um, what is, considered, you know, human versus animals, right? Being together with it all. Um, we do, and gratitude, right? That I, I forgot to mention that gratitude. I might've said that, but gratitude, 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 right? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything that I have, for everything that I get, I, everyone around me, everything I've accomplished. Thank you for the people in my life. Thank you for love. Thank you. You get the picture. Gratitude for anything and everything. Now we have a couple things to watch out for with the moon and Taurus. Of course we do, because there's always the balance point. You can't appreciate the, the bright and the light and the love and the uh, affection if you don't know what the other side is. The other side is being stuck in the comfort zone, right? Get in your comfort zone, yes, but remember, everything in the world changes. And Taurus resists change, right? It says, I'm comfortable here. I like this chair. Why do I need to go buy a new chair, right? Just because it has rips and tears and the foam has fallen out doesn't mean I have to get a new one, does it, right? Getting stuck. And of course, stuck means not just about the things we have, um, like chairs and what have you, but how do we get stuck in patterns? How do we get stuck doing the same things over and over again, Um because it's comfortable, right? And we can view sometimes with Taurus energy that there's more discomfort in the change, right? So we can resist it. So try, you know, look at places in your life where you have stuckness or where that rigidity has set in because rigidness is also a quality of the shadow in Taurus or stubbornness. Stubbornness in and of itself isn't the issue, right? Stubbornness can be equated to persistence, right? Or tenacity, determination. Those are the positive qualities of stubbornness. But in Taurian stubbornness, sometimes we have that immovability, right? We have the complete, I'm in my space, I'm right, you're wrong, I am um, not, I'm an immovable object, right? Try to move a bull. Unless he really wants to go, he ain't going right? So bull, the immovability. So that rigidness is a quality of the, of the darker side of Taurus energy. And holding on too long is another one, right? Holding on uh, to things, to people, to beliefs, to uh, uh, experiences, to grievances. It's across from Scorpio. And so, you know, you can sometimes incorporate some of the more negative Scorpion traits into Taurus energy. So it is a great weekend to sit back and relax and have some fun uh, or just do what you want to do, be who you want to be. But we got to watch out if those things are escape mechanisms for not doing our due diligence or not doing, you know, living our lives. 
All right. So let's say good morning to people. I missed doing that earlier. Good morning, Debbie Tibbetts Tumiel. It's good to see you out there. JLo, hello. She says happy Friday. Tom is with us. Christine is with us. Joan Durchy, good morning to you. Corey, hello. We haven't seen you in a bit. JLo says you are about to have a cat fight. Uh oh. Oh, well, one's over here and the other one must be under the bed because she probably got freaked out by him. But thank you for letting me know that. Andy girl, hello. She says, grand, get grand rising, beautiful people. Um, <clears throat> Pam Zaruba, hello to you. Londa, hello. I've been thinking about you, but all week long, it's just been kind of crazy. So I was going to call you this morning. So I'm glad to see you out here. Uh Pam says, amazing, I got an email saying that Archangel Sandalphon, or Sandalphon, I'm not sure how to say that, wants to work with me today. He is the angel of the Akashic Records. <laughs> that is perfect timing. How interesting. Londa and uh, Pam saying each other, hello to each other. Tom says, it's day one of a new Pleiadian Earth Energy Week, the week of feeling, right? That was Muluk in the Mayan calendar, which was all about the flow of water and how that relates to the flow of human emotions and how the tides impact the people, uh, impact us as beings since we are primarily water, right? So interesting. Londa says, I am stubborn, a tug of war. That's because Leo like Taurus, is a fixed sign. And the fixed signs do tend more towards stubbornness or fixity. But they're also the ones, you know, there's loyalty in that energy. There's steadfastness, there's stability and security. So in a way, we, we have to have fixed signs. All of you have the fixed signs in your chart somewhere. And it's where things tend to be more steady or where you need to bring more steadiness uh, into your life or your experience of that particular house. It's just like we all have mutable signs. We all have uh, the cardinal signs. We all have these energies somewhere, right? And uh, if we didn't, we wouldn't be able to be balanced, nor would we be able to interact with other people uh, who are carrying those signatures, right? We would have no frame of reference to be able to understand someone who enjoys change, right? Especially if you're a fixed sign. How do you understand a Gemini if you're a Leo, right? Because Gemini is all about change and adaptability and movement. And Leo is more about that steady, let's be, you know, loyal, let's be, you know, steadfast. So, um, Tom, flow with the go, right? It's, let's flow with the go. And let's see, did I miss anybody else? <laughs> Wanda, uh, that's funny. Uh, 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 uh. All right, that's it. I don't see anybody else out there. But if you guys have any questions, certainly please, you know, type those into uh, the chat and I will go back and look for those things. Now, let's take a look at some of the astrology for the weekend. And that is meager. That's why it's time to be lazy. It's time to just relax and be comfortable. Uh, today literally is just the end of the week for human design. And it is, of course, the beginning of our weekend when the moon moves into Taurus. And Saturday the is the only day there's really um, anything of a, ten, uh, a tense nature, perhaps we could say. 
And I don't even really want to quantify it as that or qualify it as that because it's really not that bad. Uh, but the moon will be coming into a square with the sun. So remember, we have these four phases of planets that come into contact with the sun. And the first phase is the conjunction. And that's our new moon, right? So the moon conjunct the sun is the new moon. That was last Saturday, right? Then we get to the first quarter. And the first quarter is going to be a square, right? So we're going one fourth of the way around a circle or 90 degrees around the wheel. So we get to the first crisis point in the relationship between whatever planet and the sun. And in this case, and it can be between other planets too. So, but let's just keep it simple for the moment. So now we, we're reaching that point where the moon and the sun are coming into this 90 degree relationship. Now, what is the meaning of the new moon? It's all about setting intentions and starting something new, taking steps forward. Now, seven days later, we come into this first square and it's the crisis of action. It's that time where I have to actually choose to move forward. I can't just keep everything, you know, rolling around in my mind. There's some actual, because I live in a 3D world, I, I have feet on the ground or on the earth. I actually need to do something to take steps to move forward if I want to bring some idea in, right? If I've set an intention, let's say, uh, to, I don't know, let's say you set an intention to get financially fit and you you don't have any uh, action steps yet that you've taken to it, now you're going to feel that crisis point. You're going to feel that crisis of action and the need to start taking your next steps in whatever uh, way that was happening for you. And remember that this uh, new this new moon was in the sign of Aquarius and it's about setting yourself up for the future. So maybe for finances, that might mean how can I pay down some debt? For finances, it might mean how can I create more income? Um, how can I save more? Can I reduce my um, debt load? All of that kind of stuff might be what you need to do to do at this point to start the ball rolling on that intention if you haven't already done it. Now, wisdom would suggest that you do it with the new moon, right? That you start that process, but you'll feel the pressure now uh, starting tomorrow when if you haven't taken those next steps that uh, were a part of your intention with the new moon. Uh, also, the moon tomorrow in Taurus, of course, is going to come into a conjunction with Uranus. So there's the potential for surprise, surprise, something unexpected, some revelation, um, some freedom thing happening, right? Like, how do I liberate myself from things? There's always the explosive emotional uh, thing that can happen with the moon conjunct Uranus. Um, which, you know, there's there's always that potential, but we each have the ability to choose how it is that we're going to respond versus react to any outside stimulus, right, or to anything that comes up. So just remember that the moon moves fairly quickly, so it might be a blow up and then a cool down, right? So like high energy or high emotional quality, and then it cools down. Uh, it is also the beginning of the new human design week, and that is a very interesting week, and we're going to break that down a little bit here. Uh, we The sun moves into the gate 19 and the earth moving into the gate 33. The 19 is on the root center. It is a pressure to move outward in some way, and the pressure is going to be about connection, seeking connection, 
I'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. And the earth is um, going to be in the in the gate 33, which is in traditional human design is often called the gate of privacy. Uh, in more quantum human design, it's about the retelling of a story, um, creating a new narrative, perhaps about what who you are, what you can do, what you can't do, et cetera, et cetera. So it should be a really interesting, you know, next six days as we really become far more sensitive to the unseen realm, to one another, to the emotional realm. So lots of good stuff coming there. Sunday is the day that we have planetary transits, but they're both trines. So trines are always the smooth flow of energy. We have the sun trine Mars. So we may indeed feel good enough energetically that we want to get some things done, but we don't necessarily feel the pressure to have to get them done. So it's a choice, right? We get to choose. Do I want to sit here and relax? Do I want to do some exercise? Do I want to play? What do I want to do, right? But you might feel a high energy, which means that likely movement of some kind can be very helpful. And then as well, Mercury is coming into a trine with Uranus, Uranus that day. And that's a smooth flow. This, I, I love Mercury trying Uranus because, you know, like Venus and Neptune uh, are the higher, so Neptune is the higher octave of Venus, right? So where Venus rules love and relationship uh, with each other, um, Neptune rules love, unconditional love and connection to uh, universal things, right? The universal uh, love. When we have Mercury and Uranus, we have, you know, Mercury is the level of the mind and our thinking and how we communicate. And then Uranus uh, or Uranus is the higher connection to the mind. So the higher mind, the higher self, where they come together in uh, a trine, we can often be receiving impulses uh, or receiving information or revelations or aha moments or epiphanies, whatever you want to call them, because both of the minds are are triggered at that point in a, in a positive way, a positive flow. Um, so we just need to make sure, of course, that we don't get overly into the head and overly concentrating on the mind, because with the moon in Taurus, it's really about being more in the body. Okay. Uh, Londa, crisis point between a Gemini relationship and a Leo who wants to roar. Trust me, it's your turn to roar. Um, the other thing, Londa, oh my gosh. So Londa and Tom and anybody else born in 1961 or any of the years of the ox, right? So I'm talking about the year of the ox. I have been almost obsessed with this thought about being an ox. First of all, it was our friend Ursula who pointed out to me that my last name was Hick Ox. I was born in the city of Oxnard, and I was born in uh, the year of the ox. Funny thing, right? Like that keeps showing up. So I, 5 a.m. this morning, laying in bed thinking about this year of the ox and thinking about the mythology of the ox. <clears throat> and the ox being a very supportive, loyal, um, gentle beast. It, we call it a beast, a beast of burden, but it's a very gentle sort of energy. And in the mythology of the Chinese zodiac, when it was time to decide who was going to be first in the year and second and so on, uh, the powers that be 
decided that there should be a race and whoever got to the finish line first would be first, second would be second and on and on through the 12 uh, animals that were racing in this particular competition. Well, toward the end of the race, Ox comes to a river and Rat was very close by and said, how am I gonna get across the river? So Ox being a gentle and helpful creature said, climb on my back. So Ox wades across the river, Rat jumps down off Ox's back and runs across the finish line first and Ox came in second. So I was thinking about that, settling for second best. Hmm. Always seemingly behind the scenes, right? Not out in front, but behind the scenes. And what does that mean? I don't know if that's good or bad. So I leave it to Londa and Tom and others born in 1961 or uh, 12 years later. Uh, there, you know, if you were born in the year of the ox, ask yourself, where do you, because you're so nice and kind and gentle, give yourself up for someone else to race ahead of you? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. But it was just so, so funny that I thought about that this morning. <sighs> Actually, I've thought about it all week. It's been in my mind ever since the Chinese New Year happened. And um, I started really thinking about what is the Knox? You know, what does that mean? And the mythology behind it is where you get to the good stuff. All right. Anyway, so let's go on <laughs> to talk about the gate 19. Now the gate 19 is called the gate of attunement in quantum human design. And in the gene keys, I really love the energies that are brought forth here. In the shadow energy in the gene keys, this is about codependence. And Richard Rudd literally says that it is uh, that energy that keeps the earth and her inhabitants trapped in this lower dimension, this lower shadow dimension. And I think someday I would really love to have a chat about that and go deeper into that because it has a lot to do with our early roots as tribes and nomads and how we bonded together to try to uh, withstand, you know, the things that were going on outside of us to form communities to for protection right but then that taught us to to really depend on energies outside of us or entities outside of us and so as a process we started to anthropomorphize animals and plants and stars and all of that again thinking that you know we always had to be in this dependent relationship with those outside of us Think about religions, right? Religions primarily teach that you're going to God, that you, in the old days, religion was the only way that you could access God or source. And, uh, you know, of course, now, if we keep that codependence going, we're not going to be able to evolve. So we have to really learn through this gene key and through this human design gate that we are the source, right? That we hold all of that uh, energy of independence, or how about interdependence as a better word, Chiron moving through Aries, teaching us this very lesson at this moment that, you know, uh, independence and codependence are the extreme ends, that interdependence is the middle, right? That's how, you know, we are here together to do what's best for all kind of things. So we're moving in that direction. Now, 
The gate 19 is a deeply sensitive gate. This is a wearing your soul on your sleeve kind of energy. And it's the energy of emotional intimacy and uh, without codependency, right? We're meant to be emotionally sensitive to one another and what one another is going through and to be that you know, counsel perhaps, or the, you know, person that holds space with compassion and love, but not to become codependent with someone who is always in a space of need, right? That's the lower end there, that um, sacrificing of ourselves for other people. And while sensitivity is a must, right, to be able to understand and have compassion, um, letting go of ourselves in favor of doing for others is never the right thing to do, right? If it is the right thing to do, it's temporary, it's short term, and it isn't something that we are meant to keep doing over and over. So in other words, you, you have a tendency with this gate to sometimes compromise yourself, or to let go of your own dreams, to be you is the goal, not to be who others want you to be, or to be what you think others want you to be, because more often than not, that's what it is. So, you, you know, we think that we have to be a certain way to do certain things for others in order to be wanted or to be a part of the group, um, to be, um, feel, to feel close to others. So, compromise is usually a good thing, right? We're giving and we're receiving. It's the balance. But what I'm talking about here is the, the negative side of compromise when I'm giving up more to be something that I'm really not, right? Or to put forth energy that isn't really my own. So be you, not who others think that you should be or who others want you to be. There's also very strong and powerful psychic awareness here, or awareness of the unseen realm. It's so close, right? It's so close. And otherworldliness about this time, um, even a, a, a sort of uh, other dimensionality to it, where it's like we can almost, you know, put our hands through it even, or feel like there's just this ability for us to see into the future, like the crystal ball is clearer now than it is at other times. And we kind of call that that ability to tap into this energetic grid around the planet or the morphogenetic fields uh, as a part of the gate 19 uh, experience, because we can see into, sense into uh, uh, what comes next, sort of seeing into the future or being able to tap into um, the next big thing. And so often this is the time for us to, if we can get quiet enough to tap into, you know, what are the, the trends that are happening on the planet? What are the trends that are happening? You know, what are people going to want or need as the year goes on? Um, what fads might be big? And people who are very successful at doing this are often the Johnny on the spot. And when everybody starts to need X, Y, Z, they have what everybody needs, right? So, there, it, it's an ability that we all have, but right now it's kind of highlighted our ability to sort of look ahead what is coming down the road uh, energetically for the year and what might I need to do to prepare to be there in my capacity to help others. We also at the gate 19 
have to address the need to be close or feel close to others. This is about belonging, that very deep human need to belong, right? And to be in a family, to be in a relationship, to be in a tribe or a community, that very, it's a powerful need that is in our DNA, right? Our very DNA resonates to tribalness or being in community, right? Interdependency. It's humans that took it into codependency or humans that took it over to too much independence, interdependence, right? Um, and when we're in that codependence, we can feel very needy and clingy, or we can have people that in our lives around us that feel like they're resonating with very needy or clingy kind of energy. And that tells you that you've slipped into the shadow of codependence here, or you're about to slip into the shadow of codependence here. Now, as another side note, this gate is very much about our connection to the animal kingdom on a psychic level, right? Being a, this is where your animal whisperers, your horse whisperers, dog whisperers are, um, because tapping in at this level allows us to be able to read, if you will, the energy that our animals are putting out and to read um, the, the what's going on with them. What do they need? What are they experiencing? So a lot of times, you know, you this gate is so funny this way that you might really understand, oh, I know what my cat's saying. When other times you're like, what are you meowing about? The same thing with our dogs or any other animals, just being able to connect uh, in that level on that psychic wavelength. But it's more than that. It's more likely a heart-to-heart -heart connection that's going on, right? The heart-to-heart -heart here, that it's okay to be vulnerable. There's that aspect of it. And being vulnerable means it's okay for me to be sensitive, to feel that vulnerability. And it's also okay for me to be there for others who are going through that sensitivity or that vulnerability. And that means being sensitive to the emotional needs of others and also tapping into what are your own uh, emotional needs, right? It goes both ways. So we have a lot of sensitivity here with this gate coming up. And that means we, you know, might see a lot of people who don't really understand how emotions work overreacting, right? Or conflict and confrontation going on. Um, there was a shooting or a beating or something that happened in Tennessee. And I, I the authorities there are like, you know, pleading for calm and cool um, uh, as there's going to be some kind of demonstration against police brutality this weekend there. And this is emotionally volatile, right? This is a pattern that really we need to resist that over explosion of emotional energy, but to be able to be sensitive to uh, the emotional needs of everyone involved here. So It'll be interesting to see how it happens, especially because the moon comes into that conjunction with Uranus tomorrow and is in that crisis point with the sun. So pray for peace, pray for calm, pray for uh, emotional neutrality, possibly as much as possible in a very volatile and sense, uh, sensitive issue going on there in that state. Now the earth sitting in the gate 33, she is going to be the one that kind of stimulates what's the challenge, right? And the challenge here is in the story. 
And the story we, you know, the first thing you hear when there's a police action like this that leads to uh, somebody's death. We also had something like that here in Seattle just uh, this week where a policeman hit a, a, a pedestrian and killed her. And all of, I mean, it was not like, you know, fist fight. It was, you know, automobile accident. So when those things happen, we have a story attached to them, right? We have a story that we immediately, because we have this preponderance of evidence over the last couple of years of, um, you know, an overabundance of black men being killed by police, right? Versus uh, things that happen to white men or black women or white women or, you know, Asians or any other, you know, race. So we have a story that we're sticking to. And that story is that they're out to get black men. And that may or may not be true. I'm not arguing for or against that. But the, the question about the story is, do we wanna keep reliving the story or are we willing to do something about it? Are we willing to change our hearts? Are we willing to change our minds? Are we willing to take new action toward a new story, right? What could, what could be the new story? The new story could be peace, right? The new story could be about how these things are going to happen. They do. And, you know, we can do things like educate people more about their biases. That I would say that's a really good use of our time and our energy, our sensitivity at this point to really let us all check in. Do we have biases like that run along race lines or sexual lines or any number of lines, religious lines in some countries? Um, so the earth is really urging us on to the retelling, the relabeling of these experiences. And then, the, you know, the 33 is a gate that really prompts us it's on the throat center and it's a it's a taking action it's about communicating a new story right what's the narrative going to be and not the narrative that's planned that is canned and not truly heart centered but a real truly heartfelt messaging that can take us and lead us into the next um telling of the story right that is not to say that the pain and suffering of the people, the families and friends of the people who have died are mean nothing. They have meaning, right? There's meaning there, but let's make it meaningful so that we go into a future, you know, where we are more sensitive to those situations. We're more sensitive to each other's needs and our biases, etc. So that is what 33 is bringing to us uh, a la the gate 19, right? 19 attuning to the sensitivity and 33 is not succumbing to the old story. What do we, where do we want to go from here? And JLo, thank you. I always forget this. Please take a moment and hit the like button if you are on Facebook uh, or and the thumbs up button if you are on YouTube, if you like this video and then share the video with other people, both on Facebook or on YouTube. I would appreciate that. And I think, you know, it's helpful for others to hear, you know, new perspectives. And I try to bring new perspectives when I come on my shows. Tom says, this weekend marks the first anniversary of the Truckee Convoy here in Canada. Lots of celebrations this weekend all across Canada. Nice. 
right? I remember that you were in that, right? Didn't you weren't in the convoy, but you went to be a part of it. And uh, that was uh, where you really connected with Ainsley, right? So this has a lot of sentimentality, a lot of sensitivity for you, Tom. That's awesome. Okay, questions or comments? Let's see how much time do we have? We got about 15 minutes. So now I want you to know that what I'm going to talk about next is not my own thinking, right? I'm going to give you information that I learned and it's for you to decide how to take it in, right? Do you want to take this? Do you do you have your own opinion of this um, this energy uh, or the this conversation? Um, do you have a different opinion? It's okay, right? I'm just going to give you what I learned. And what I learned were all about how planets in cycles affect the economy. And of course, I knew this, right? There's nothing, I, I, there's nothing that I learned that was brand new. It was just how it was all put together. You know how sometimes you can hear things over and over again, but then there's that one person that you hear it from and it breaks through, right? It breaks through into your conscious awareness and you're like, oh, duh. That's what it means, right? So, uh, you know, in mundane astrology, and mundane astrology is when we're looking at, you know, the bigger outer world, we're looking at a country, perhaps, or we're looking at, in this case, you know, an economic outlook, that's mundane astrology. And we don't really use the houses, right? We, we can draw up a chart, but the houses don't mean as much, right? Because that's going to be the house relationships going to be different in many different places. But we do look at the signs, and the planets and what signs they're in and what connections they're making with other planets are often drivers in the experiences that we're having. So just like your regular astrology chart, those same things happen in um, the more mundane astrology, those things happen, but we just don't have a house like we in, in this case, we're really talking about the economy. So you could say we're talking about the second house and the eighth house. Those are both money houses. The second house is about earnings and income and the uh, inflation or deflation. And then the eighth house is about other people's money. So money that is institutionalized or comes through, you know, the government or things like that, a uh, debt and credit, all of that kind of thing. So now if we look at the planets that are in play, we're going to look at the ones from Jupiter outward, because the other ones are, are personal planets, right? If we looked at Mars and Mercury and Venus, the moon and the sun, then we're really looking at the more personalized expression. But right now I'm looking at the bigger picture. So we need to go from Jupiter to Saturn to Uranus to Neptune to Pluto, okay? Now in mundane astrology, as it relates to the economy, what we have is the energy of destroying, right? And then rebirthing. So maybe regeneration is a more uh, positive way to, to put that. And we see that, you know, very clearly we've had, you know, these bumps and things that are taking us through issues that while Pluto is in Capricorn, it's been affecting our governments, our institutions, our laws, and all of that kind of stuff. And corruption. Pluto breeds corruption, right? He's exposing it. It's not that he breeds it. He exposes it, right? He he is going to turn the dirt, so to speak, and bring up what's under the surface up to the top. Neptune is a planet that expands, but through irrational excitement or exuberance and uh, takes us, in this case, into optimism and how can optimism be a good thing or a not so good thing. Uranus is about innovation and a disruptor, right? There's always disruption that happens, breaks in a system, 
right? When your pipes break, that's a Uranus event, right? That is a an, uh, something that you didn't expect to happen. It is revolution and revolutionizing energy, revolutionary energy. Saturn depresses, holds things down, makes things come into focus and creates fear, right? That compression or that depression can create fear in our responses and cause us to then become realistic in our expectations or in how we uh, move forward. And then Jupiter, exactly the opposite of Saturn, expands and stimulates growth and has a very uh, forward-looking yet optimistic uh, view. Now, that's different from Neptune optimism, which is bred out of irrationality, right? Or out of sort of not seeing things clearly. All right. Now, as we go forth in this year, 2023, here are some planetary things to keep aware of. And some of these we've already talked about. One is that Mars moves into Cancer on uh, March 25th. And Cancer is about home and family and safety and security, right? That's going to be very important because taking action to make things more stable, to make things more appealing in terms of being able to stand the test of time. Uh, Jupiter's moving into Taurus in May, and Taurus is the sign that rules finances or the economy and banking and mortgages and all of that. Remember, Jupiter expands and stimulates growth and brings optimism. Uh, so what might that mean? Uh, Saturn moving into Pisces. Saturn moving into a water sign. Remember, he's depressing, creating fear. Pisces is a sign that can lead into victimization patterns or uh, that that fear really becomes prevalent. Uh, and then Pluto moving into Aquarius. Pluto is going to destroy and rebirth and expose, perhaps, you know, what's rotten at the core, what's corrupted, what's not working the way it was meant to work. And then he retrogrades backwards into Capricorn uh, from June 11th until I uh, did I put the date until January 21st of 2024. So we're, you know, sliding in and out of different signs, right? Going back into how are our institutions set up and how are we looking forward to the future? And um, when we look at what lies ahead, you know, there's a lot of people, I, I hear it too, I don't pay attention as much, but there's a lot of people that think our future is dismal. And they look to, you know, the, you know, rising inflation or jobs and, and people losing their jobs as something that's dismal, but it might not be as bad as we think. So here we need to keep an open mind, right? Keep your, op keep your mind as wide open as you can when it relates to money and the economy. Now, Pluto in Capricorn. Now, I don't know if you guys know this term. This was, uh, it wasn't a new term to me, but I don't think I ever really understood what it was. And the term is quantitative easing. Now, that was a Pluto in Capricorn thing where governments put money behind banks or corporations to prop them up. Um, pro and, 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 you know, even other governments, right, that um, needed propping up. Remember, there was a, 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 a austerity measures in Greece. And it seemed for a while that every country in uh, some parts of Europe were going to go bankrupt. And that was a very fearful time for people in those countries. 
And so Pluto and Capricorn really saw our response to the economy in quantitative easing, which meant that the governments were spending money that they really didn't have. Think about how we got propped up ourselves as individuals during COVID, right? At least in this country, I don't know about other countries, um, but if you were affected by the uh, uh, shutdowns, then you were able to draw extra money. Well, where did that come from, right? It came from this idea of quantitative easing. And in quantitative easing, of course, you're often spending money that you don't have, right? Or that you're printing money or you're robbing Peter to pay Paul and, and all of that kind of thing. So that can create its own problems. Now, that was, uh, you know, Pluto and Capricorn. Now, Pluto and Aquarius has a different feel to it. Um, here's where, you know, it's about propping up individuals. It's about propping up humanity, people. And this is where we started to see at least in our government, I don't know about other governments, but in our government, we started to hear about universal basic income. We really talked about universal care in terms of uh, medical care, right? Universal insurance or um, affordable care. So the, uh, the influence of Pluto in Aquarius over the next 20 years might be to create some kind of e equality between incomes. I don't know how we manage that. I don't know how we do it, but that is what some of the future economic outlook might be. And of course, we have artificial intelligence that's getting you know higher and higher, uh, more and more. We're hearing more and more about it, where our digital world, our, our world of money becoming more digital, right? I, most of my money comes in through PayPal and through uh, other digital means, right? Even uh, Venmo, uh, cryptocurrencies, things like that. So we have that going on more and more. Uh, expect tax hikes, right? We are not going to be able to keep uh, taxes as low as we want them, at least in the short term, uh, because we have this massive debt that we have to pay down from the Pluto and Capricorn experience. So we might face some debt shocks in the future. This, again, is not for you to be frightful over or fearful of, just to be aware and manage your own money accordingly. Um, we might hear about more bankruptcies, uh, bankrupt governments, right? Um, we might have insurance companies that have some issues because of paying out things. So that's about Pluto. Now, Venus is also going to retrograde this year, and she rules the economy, right? She rules money. She rules banks. And she, in retrograde, is a powerful signature of reversals, right, of things going the opposite direction. And as well, her higher, her higher uh, alter ego, Neptune, is also going to be retrograde from June 30th to December 6th. And Neptune tends to rule the waves of how the markets flow. So the perception is that we may be in for a lull in the markets, a reversal of fortunes where what we could depend on uh, earlier in the year changes as we get into the second half of the year, which means that we probably want to you know, tighten our belts a bit or be more uh, aware of how we're spending in these first six months of the year versus the, so that we can stand the, the test of, of uh, tightening the belt, the second half of the year. I was going to say austerity, but I don't really think it gets to that point. Jupiter is going to be in a square to Pluto uh, in May, uh, just as Jupiter moves into Taurus 
Pluto will still be at zero degrees of Aquarius and those two signs square one another. Uh, so we may have some kind of shocking event around then. And it doesn't, it, I mean, it doesn't have to, remember these are outer planets, so bigger, bigger shocks, not necessarily personalized, but we get affected by them, right? So we get affected by these things. Uh, maybe we see higher inflation then, right now it's kind of at a lull. Um, and as Neptune rules things like oil, uh, I could see that maybe the effect of the Ukraine and Russian war might put pressure on rising prices for crude or uh, gas, natural gas, and that can create higher prices that we pay at, for gas and those uh, um, at the pumps. So that can be an inflationary cr uh, pressure. Um, so the last time that Jupiter squared Pluto was in 1940. And that was our coming, you know, get, getting ready to go into World War II, and here in the U.S. anyway. Uh, and that there was a lot of pressure on the the world financially at that point in time. And so inflation continuing and maybe even getting higher than where we've seen it in a long time, like going back to the 70s where we were at what was it, a 9% inflation rate. Um, be be ready, right? Just be ready. Don't be scared, but be ready, right? Um, Jupiter in Aries right now could pressure um, us to be spending more. It can be, you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, talk about the real estate market right now and our prices going to head down, right? Is There seems to be a glut at the moment in new housing construction, and meaning there's more new houses built than they are selling. So the inventory of homes is increased. So that kind of tends to push prices down. Uh, then interest rates are also fairly high. So people aren't buying. So we have to find a balance in that. So uh, if we can decrease interest rates for new homes, perhaps, then we can see some movement in that cycle. The US dollar. Uh, could fall uh, until Jupiter moves into Taurus. So be watching that. And that affects our uh, exchange rates between ourselves and other countries and how expensive it is to import or export materials. Cryptocurrencies. Uh, Venus in Taurus rules Bitcoin. And I thought that was interesting. And Venus in Libra rules Ethereum. And uh, it, there's a sense in the financial world that, yay, though they have been up and down and kind of chaotic uh, over the last year, that they're going to find their path and start heading upwards as more and more people open up to the idea of cryptocurrencies in general. So it's such a fascinating time as we go forward. I just saw something that Christine said, regulate corporate greed, stop allowing CEOs and stockholders to call all of the shots for starters. Those are definitely things that I know will come up during Pluto's transit through Aquarius. And right now we're just getting the opening salvos of that, right? So pay attention in March when uh, uh, Pluto moves into Aquarius. He's moving into zero Aquarius on March 23rd. Watch, you know, what happens between March 23rd and June 11th when he retrogrades back into Capricorn. See what changes are on the horizons. What are people talking about? What are governments talking about? What seems to be the problem that's just simmering there on the horizon? Um, 
you know, that something that we maybe, you know, missed in the Pluto to Capricorn transit. So, I mean, I agree with you, Christine, those are all great things that we're going to be doing that also affect humanity. And that's the big thing with Pluto and Aquarius uh, is the human connection to all of that and how it affects us all uh, at that human level. All right. So that was very quick. And sorry, I couldn't go too deep on any of all of that. I hope it was understandable. I hope it was enjoyable, or at least, you know, opened up your minds to think in some new ways. Uh, if you have any questions, certainly let me know. Uh, that is it for me this morning. I will be with you on Monday morning, 8 a.m. to talk about the week ahead. Also on Monday afternoon, 4 p.m. Pacific time, we will have Desire to Inspire uh, on our, uh, our next topic is forgiveness, huge one during uh, this time of the year, I think. And also um, next week, I'll be on Angel Heart Radio for uh, our first uh, 2023 broadcast uh, with Annette McCoy on Angel Heart. That'll be on Wednesday. Jupiter moves into Taurus Kamal in May, May 17th, I believe it is, or May 16th. So hopefully you're ready, right? Okay, guys, take care. It was good to see you all. Have a great weekend. Relax, have some fun. See you on Monday. Bye.